Welcome back to the Rob Skinner Podcast. My goal is to inspire you to live a no regrets life, to make this life count, and to multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. I'm thrilled today because I have on the show Wayne Kishbaugh. And Wayne is a person who's inspired me since the mid-90s. When he became a Christian as uh, a military Air Force uh, airman, he was stationed at a very small and remote air base in northern Japan called Misawa Air Base. And with one person as a six-month-old assistant Bible talk leader, he moved there and planted an entire church. Over the course of two years, that church grew and had its own building, met it had its own services, and it inspired me as I went back to the States in the early 2000s to believe, hey, I can start a church on my own, even if I have no funding from any other outside source. And as I made plans to plant a church in Ashland, Oregon, in 2004, 2005, the inspiration for me came from my experience meeting Wayne Kishbaugh, a baby Christian who changed my life, and I'm so happy to have him on the show today. Wayne, thanks for joining the show. You're welcome, Rob. Now, Wayne, can you tell me how you became a Christian? I remember I was eating at a military dining facility and after I said grace before the meal, a young male disciple invited me to, to study the Bible. I had turned down a request to study the Bible two weeks earlier, but at this moment in time, I was open. I was ready to study the Bible. We went to his friend's room at the time, and he and his friends opened up the Bible with me. And about a month later, after learning what it meant to become a disciple according to the Bible, I was ready to make Jesus the Lord of my life. That was the beginning. Great. And where was that? I was in Fort Meade, Maryland. Okay. And and how old were you at the time? I was 25 years old. Okay. So you're 25. And how long had you been in the Air Force at that time? In the Air Force at that time for right around six years. Okay. So you'd already been in there for a while. Yeah. Okay. And so how long before you got shipped off to Japan were you there in Maryland as a disciple? I was six months old when I left to go to Japan as a disciple. <laughs> okay. All right. So tell me, tell me a little bit about that. Like, uh, you know, you, you took off, you went to Japan. What was your mindset? Did What, what did people tell you? What did disciples in the church tell you when you said, hey, I'm going to go to Misawa, Japan? Uh, the disciples of Jesus around me, the Christians around me told me that they were concerned that it would be difficult for me as a young Christian to stay faithful. And they were, they, like I said, they were scared. They were afraid. They wanted the best for me. They wanted to make sure I made it there. They knew I was going to be isolated. And so they connected me with you, Rob, was one of the, one of the guys that, uh, one of the brothers that they connected, they connected me with. And they started asking me, okay, what do you know about the church in Japan already? The one in Tokyo, you're going to be a 12 hour drive away, the four hour flight away. Uh, so they started to prepare me 
and they gave me all their contact information and I felt like they really cared about me, wanted the best for me and just wanted me to transition, wanted to stay in touch with me, just let me know, hey, have faith and do your best. We want to see you when you come back. Okay. So can you tell me a little bit about Misawa? Uh, for those who are not familiar with Japan, can you tell tell people where it's located and what, you know, just, just give an overview of, of Misawa. Sure. Misawa is what I call a little America about a, like I said, a 12 hour drive north of Tokyo. It is on the top of that main island and you really do feel isolated. The weather turned out to be very cold in the winter, a lot of snow, like an upstate New York kind of experience. And you felt just so far away from the United States there. And it was a little scary being in a different country, not knowing Japanese, the Japanese culture, the culture shock. And I was excited to, to go on one hand and really I did not, I never wanted to go overseas. So it, it was uh, a challenge. Yeah, that was, that was my question. Like, what was your mindset? You know, you're, you're 25, you're single. I, I don't think you had a girlfriend at the time, right? No. no. Okay. And so what was your intention going there as a six month old Christian? What were you my thinking? My intention was to do my best it was to stay close to God. It was also to stay close to the, the spiritual brothers and sisters that I just grown to really care about in Baltimore, Baltimore, Maryland area. It was to do my best to help the people around me want to become a disciple if they weren't already a disciple and to stay in touch with the Tokyo church, to get close to the Tokyo church, to get to know them, to travel down there and to just try to get through the two years somehow and stay close to God. Okay. And what year was that again? That was 1994. I arrived there. Okay. So I had gotten to Tokyo in 93. So just a year before. And do you remember the month when you arrived there? Can you recall that? If I, if I had to guess the month, I would say it was somewhere around November, but complete yeah, guess there. Right, totally. And I remember we met, uh, I can't even remember where it was, maybe it was a train station. You were you were coming through, you'd come through Tokyo before you went north up to Misawa. And we met and, you know, you introduced yourself and I was happy to meet you. And, and you were, I, my recollection is you were so fired up. I mean, you were just so excited about going there and... I got to be honest, Wayne, I was really like, oh my gosh, I hope this guy makes it. Now, I wasn't saying that, but I'm like, I really hope this guy can hold on to his faith. I wasn't thinking about you doing anything other than simple survival up, <laughs> up in Misawa. And you were, on the other hand, you were just so uh, energetic, energized, fired up. I mean, I just can't remember exactly what you said, but it was like you were filled with faith going up there. Where'd you get that faith from? Wow. The spiritual brothers and sisters I had in Baltimore and just wanting to let God know, I am grateful that you forgave me of my sins here just six months ago and you sent Jesus 
to be the good example for me, the great example, perfect example for me. And I know that I owed God my life, that I wanted to be close to him, that I felt like this was where God sent me. It wasn't it wasn't the military that sent me. I, I had that conviction of, okay, God sent me to Japan and he can use me here. Mm-hmm. Even though it's a culture shock for me, even though it's a small place and a place I've never been, I still felt that God could use me. I had that youthful Christian zeal yeah. that just carried me along. I felt that. I mean, I've, I just felt that. And I was, you know, I look back and I'm, I'm ashamed of my cynicism at the time because you, you did such an amazing work there okay so tell me you you took off and you went up there how did it go at the beginning what what was your strategy what were you doing and how did you make your first convert so i kept reading my bible that i definitely had a deep conviction passed on to me like i said from the brothers and sisters in baltimore the baltimore area and he, I kept reading, okay, Matthew 28, go make disciples of all nations. And that motivated me. And I remember another passage that talked about how the kingdom was forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. In the book of Matthew, I think chapter 11, I thought about what I could do what little bit I could do as one person. And then God sent a a disciple, a brother from the military in California, military base in California to my location. I found out and sure enough, Steve shows up. And then I felt, okay, God gave me some encouragement. He sent another brother, another disciple that I could lean on, that I could get to know and, and, and just the two of us could start something. We could do something. That's how it began. Mm-hmm. So shortly after you got there, Steve, is that Steve bite? Yes. Oh, so he came shortly after that. Okay. So you, then you had a partner. Okay. Yes. Then what happened? And one of my coworkers was open to studying the Bible. His name was Troy and Troy opened up the Bible with Steve and I, And we studied with him for quite a while. I I know it was a few weeks. Troy was a basketball player, young, single guy. Like like I was young and single, and I had an interest in basketball at the time. And Steve and I just spent some great time praying with Troy, opening up the Bible with Troy, getting advice from disciples in Tokyo, disciples in Baltimore. How do we help Troy become a disciple? And he was ready. He was open. He soon became a disciple thereafter. It might've been a month and we had a baptism and all of a sudden it just started. We started having room church in my room and (laughs) there, there we are. We're, we're just trying to grow. We're trying to do something. (laughs) So it was you and Steve and then Troy. Okay. What, What happened after that? After that, we said, okay, let's see where this goes. Let's reach out to some more people. We had deep convictions about, let's invite people and see what we can do. Where Where is this gonna go? What's God gonna do with us? We wanna help people. We want to see people become disciples. And 
another coworker of mine, of Troy's, uh, a, a single guy named Corey Corrette. He becomes a disciple after studying the Bible for a while. And he, he had a, a religious background and he understood that the Bible was teaching him to take a take a step of faith and grow in his faith and make a commitment that he had never made before to God, to Jesus, and, and to surrender. And all of a sudden, we have our fourth brother there becomes a disciple, and we are starting to feel so much more encouraged. And <laughs> what, how do we? What do we do? We're we're kind of overwhelmed. What, what what just happened? And we need help. So this all happened within the first three or four months that you were there? This was within the three or four months, maybe six months, yes. Okay, and so was Corey your roommate? How did you meet him? Corey Corvat, he was at work. I just had another experience because we had to ride a bus up to the top of a hill to get to the communications facility where we worked. I see, okay, so, okay, then. And then what happened after, how did it develop? Just explain to me, how did things develop from there? So you guys sure. were meeting, still meeting in your room, having room church, not house church, yes. but room church. Right. <laughs> and we were singing. We were, we were, I think we sung a couple of songs. We were praying probably more and reading some more. And then Steve's wife and daughter came over. Okay. And, and then they got a house. So Steve had to get a house off base. He was able to get a house off base. And all of a sudden, we're meeting in a Japanese neighborhood at Steve and Diane's house with their, their preteen daughter, Stephanie. And now we have, all of a sudden, we have a house church. And we're <laughs> feeling very encouraged because now we have a sister and her daughter, <laughs> spiritual sister and her daughter, that we can go to their house. We can get, get out of the room and, and be able to meet in somebody's house. And sure enough, house church just happened right just boom yes so then you had the feminine influence that was nice to have kind of a mom mom influence not just the bros yes. okay good mm -hmm. and i would say from that point steve's wife diane was very good at making friends at inviting new ladies where she got her hair done her hair i believe it was her hairstylist that became a disciple. Then her hairstylist husband became a disciple. We met a, a married gentleman. His wife became a disciple. Then he became a disciple. People are studying the Bible. We're having Bible studies and we're meeting in Diane and Steve's house. We are actually, Corey's helping me with the the singing and the message. And Corey falls in love with a Japanese lady uh, and she studies the Bible, traveling down to Tokyo, eight-hour train ride, back and forth a couple times, and she becomes a disciple. Then her Japanese single friend, I think her name was Mihoko, she becomes a disciple. <laughs> so all of a sudden, things, and, and, and then another married couple becomes a disciple that Diane met, and, and all of a sudden, these married couples have children, so we need a bigger facility at this point we're trying to we're outgrowing the house okay so at this point i guess you're preaching on sundays and steve's preaching and who else is preaching was this like a rotation how did you work that out we would 
rotate as far as the sermon goes and have a short message about giving to the poor. We chose a local orphanage to give to. We were sending our tithe, our charitable contribution back down to the Tokyo church through the mail. And all of a sudden we needed more chairs to get into this, this house church. And we are somehow keeping this going from advice from Tokyo. There are just Tokyo disciples that come up and we're getting tapes, cassettes, sermons on cassette from Baltimore church. And <laughs> we're using these and, and just trying to learn how to give a sermon and, and sing. That is so awesome. Okay. So you run out of space in the house, then what do you, what do you do? So we start looking for another place to meet that's bigger somewhere. We're thinking off the military base and somehow one of us finds out about a, a church, a different church that's meeting and they have room for us at a Sunday morning at a different time slot, Sunday morning, Sunday, uh, sometime during Sunday when they weren't meeting and they didn't mind us meeting there. They were grateful that we believed in God and they allowed us to share the building. Somehow this worked out. Steve and Diane found this place, wasn't too far away. We started renting, I think we were renting chairs to bring to, well, it was to their house, but but then meeting at the building, all of a sudden we had a, a regular church building in a different country and we said, okay, we got to just keep meeting people because now we have more space. We can grow. Well, let's just see where this thing goes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that we up there like a year when you needed a, your own building. Like, a, do you have, have any idea at what point you, you had to move into a building? We were probably at a new building. I would say a year and a half after I was there. Pretty okay. close. It was it was just after a year when I was there. Yep. Okay, great. And so, mm -hmm. at the at the two year mark, like, how, do you remember how many people were were in the church and how how many people were attending at that point? When I left after two years to, to actually go back to Maryland, uh, and my tour end, ended there, and with children, married, married, uh, they had children. And we were right around the upper 20s when I left. It, it was somewhere around 24, 25, 26. So some of these married couples had two and three children, grant you, very young. But we were in the upper 20s when, when I left. And I, I, it was sad to go. It was very hard for me to leave. It was such a, a strong spiritual, it felt like a strong spiritual bond of a family there. <laughs> You know, Wayne, I remember getting a phone call from from you, and I remember hearing, uh, you know, rumblings from people like Norm Wakamoto, who was, I think you're in touch with him, yeah. and he said, hey, they're doing something up there in Misawa, and so I remember you guys flying me up there to go speak. I'm like, what is going on? And we stayed at the, the base hotel there, and <laughs> I walk into this church, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I was so blown away because, yes. you know, just, it seemed like just a few months previous, you were just a single person. And then all of a sudden I walk into this church building and there's like 30 people there or something. It just was absolutely, it blew my mind. <laughs> it, I, I, it, it, thinking back on it, 
it was something that that God used our unity. We had certainly we had unity to be able to, you know, God gave us unity to be able to, to allow this to happen. And somehow God worked with us, even though we didn't seem to have a lot of, didn't seem like we had a lot of wisdom, but we sure had God's zeal and Jesus' zeal that was just keeping us going. And we were in a strange culture trying to, uh, it brought us closer together, I think, because we were in a strange culture. We needed to just uh, stay together and stay close. That's right. That's right. What, like, if you were to break it down, because I know that there are military disciples who are listening to this, what, what do you feel like was the secret sauce? Like, what, what was it? You talked about the zeal, the, the unity, anything else that, that lent itself to to seeing that just go from a survival situation to a thriving situation? I would say humility. I'm grateful for disciples who told me the truth. They said, this was going to be hard. You've got to prepare for this. Stay in touch with us. We, we are going to help you through this. Mm-hmm. To be able to have that mindset going in, I'm going to need advice to survive spiritually. I'm going to need advice from Tokyo. I'm going to need advice from Baltimore and the United States, disciples that I'm close to. I'm going to need to communicate, be humble and ask how to do these things and yet rely on God. And and again, having that faith that there are open people out there somewhere i've just got to find them that's awesome we have a military base here in tucson called davis monthan air force base and we have started with a few disciples we had a couple of pjs or para jumpers and their wives and it's starting to grow and we've got you know number of people here and i tell them i say listen i know this guy, guy named wayne kishbaugh and he started a ministry just by himself and it grew and and I sometimes wonder if they they really understand the potential of military ministry anything mm-hmm. you'd like to say to military disciples that, that that could encourage them thinking back on my military experience knowing that being close to God helped me through the military it helped me to also look, look what look, look beyond. I felt that I was grateful to be in the military. They really took care of me when I needed to be taken care of as a as a young person still trying to mature. And yet, being close to God gave me that that purpose in life. That you know, God gave us. He gives us a purpose. He gives us a mission, and. Yes, the military has a purpose and a mission, and, and yet God's purpose and mission is so much greater, so much more rewarding and fulfilling. And I thought of things as, okay, God can use me here in the military. I didn't want to let the military stop me from doing things. I still wanted to go above and beyond and, and allow, like I said, allow God to, to use me and see where it was going to go. Right. 
Mm-hmm. Wayne, I, I think sometimes people get into situations where they're isolated or they're on a remote posting, very similar to that. And they, they've got a very defensive mindset, just like, you know, I'm going to hunker down. Maybe they go to another church or, or maybe not, not even a, a church as part of our family of churches. And, and they're just kind of like, okay, I'm just going to stay alive until I can come back and be a part of a church. There mm-hmm. had to have been times when you're up there that you got discouraged. How did you, how did you pick yourself up and, and regain the kind of offensive mindset, the aggressive mindset that said, okay, I'm not just going to hold on. I'm going to advance. I think the examples that I had in disciples from, from Baltimore and Tokyo, getting that time with them, whether it was a letter, whether it was exchanging an email, a phone call or meeting with them in person, especially brothers, spiritual brothers and sisters from Tokyo, uh, allowing them to impact me and being grateful for relationships inside the kingdom of God. Um, But also remembering that, okay, I have this mustard seed of faith. I believe I at least have a mustard seed of faith. God can use me and whatever challenge I'm going through, okay, it's going to make me stronger. That trial is going to help me develop perseverance. I'm going to, I'm going to go to the next step. It's going to help me mature. I'm going to get some wisdom from this. I'm going to learn. Okay. I'm going to make mistakes. Yes, but let's keep going. Let's keep going because um, I, I have so much more to learn. And I want again to see how God is going to use me. That's awesome. I think there's a lot of people that maybe listening would go, Hey, I'd love to start a church. Sounds really scary. Maybe I'm too young. You know, maybe I'm 25 or I'm, you know, 23 or 27. I I don't have enough experience. I don't I don't know the entire Bible. What would you tell them if they if they had that dream of like, hey, I'd I'd like to do something like this. I'd I'd really like to, um, maybe in the future plant a church or do something like that. Any advice to them? I would say when. I had that mindset. I was grateful to have uh, inspirational leaders that were behind the pulpit and, and older, mature disciples who, when I saw them speak in front of the church, I was excited. I was filled with energy and I saw their charisma. I saw their, their faith, their, their strength while speaking with authority. And I admired it so much. I, I wanted some of that ability. And I felt like God could give me some faith. Being a young man coming from the country town in the middle of Pennsylvania, and all of a sudden I'm exposed with a completely different culture. And God was giving me faith through what I was reading the Bible, and other disciples were saying, okay you're going to be okay. You're going to get through this. And it's just the encouragement that I needed to, to rely on. And I was close in my Bible and reading and praying and staying close to disciples. That's awesome. That's one thing I hear is, is that you didn't allow the physical isolation, the, the geography to keep you from staying connected. Even, even this is long before the internet was, was prevalent. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, phones, I guess, or like physical mail, um, yes. tapes, 
you know, things like that. That's you were using those. So you didn't make excuses about staying in contact with people. You, you made sure that you, I remember one time you guys all jumped in cars and drove down to Tokyo for, for a um, summer Jubilee, like a retreat. Yes. I remember that. I remember that, you know, we didn't understand anything that was going on, but had a great time all together. And you guys drove all those hours to be yes. a part of the Japanese church, which was really awesome. Mm-hmm. So that's what I hear you saying. And, and then just sticking to the basics, praying, reading, staying connected to one another, staying humble, seeking advice, seeking help. Those are all right. awesome things. Mm-hmm. Do you still keep in touch with some of the disciples from, from Misawa? I, I did when we had a big conference in St. Louis. Right. Yeah, there the, the was Reach conference. a room of, of disciples from Japan that, that we met specifically mm-hmm. aside from the conference, well, during the conference where we said, okay, let's meet in this particular room. I don't know if you heard about it, Rob. I was there. I remember that. It's awesome. Yes. And so we reconnected that moment and somehow we uh, gathered, I don't know how many people were there at that day, 15, 20, and it was emotional. It was faith building. And there are military disciples that are, uh, that are, no longer in the military that I still do keep in touch with yeah. through at least through Facebook or email. I still have, uh, it's not very frequently, but I, I, I still have connections. Wayne, what does it mean to you when you look back and you know that, Hey, I was an assistant Bible talk, but I was a six month old Christian and started a church. And when you look at those people and you see them, to know that you've you've changed their destiny. How does that how does that make you feel inside? It's overwhelming. It's it's surprising to me. It doesn't fit my character coming out of this country town and being so shy and so just uh, so much a loner and independent. And then to to allow that experience in Baltimore to become a disciple, you know, Fort Meade, Maryland, to become a disciple, and then to allow God and the people and the, the Bible to change me, it I think back on it and it it's it's scary to kind of think about and exciting at the same same time. But I wasn't I wasn't conscious, I wasn't really in touch with what was happening so much it it was happening okay we found someone okay god god sent someone to us we god is leading us to someone else and someone else and uh, the kingdom was is was moving disciples were were being made and uh, god was somehow moving through us and using us even though we were imperfect people i i think back and I am, I, I feel a certain gratefulness. Uh, it's, it's emotional. It's touching. It's, uh, uh, again, it's almost uh, surreal. It's, it's almost like it, it's, it happened uh, 20, has it been 24 years ago now, 25 yeah. years ago. Right. And uh, surprised. I'm surprised that God could use me to do those things. That, yeah. That's where I feel. Very inspiring. And I think at times like that, you're right. You don't realize what's happening. It just seems to be happening almost automatically. You just, 
just, you know, people are becoming Christians and it seems like it's in the air. You, you sense God's power, but you don't realize the significance at the time because it's just happening all around you. So, um, okay. So let's let's fast forward. How long did you remain in the military after leaving Japan? So after Japan, I went back to Maryland, as I mentioned, to Fort Meade, Maryland, and I was there for another two years. And then at that point made the decision to leave the military, very hard decision to make because I wanted to settle down and get married. And God blessed me with the ability to get married right after those two years were over. My best friend got married and then I married my best friend's former roommate. And uh, we've since become very close after that. Awesome. Awesome. So you met Donna, you married her and then, and you're in Las Vegas, Nevada. Now, how did you end up in Las Vegas? We were receiving calls from my mother-in-law saying that she was having medical problems and she was in her 80s at the time. And this was 15 years ago. And we started thinking, okay, my in-laws, Donna's parents are, are older than my parents. Let's try to find a job in the Las Vegas area, even though I feel like I'm moving to, toward to Sodom and Gomorrah, Sin City. <laughs> okay. uh, we're going to try to help my mother-in-law to get through health challenges. She's by herself. No other family was here. And my wife secured a job. And then I came here. I was, I was promised a possible job. And we went back. We were able to sell our house in 30 days. It, God blessed that event. And we were able to leave our jobs, come here. Donna started right away. And a month later, I had a job. And, and all of a sudden, we just made the toughest decision, leaving brothers and sisters, spiritual brothers and sisters we love so much, and then starting a new life here. Right. And so much more to Las Vegas than what is advertised to the world. Right. There's a lot more than just the, the strip. So yes. Donna's a nurse, right? She's a nurse. She is an x-ray technician that just retired. Okay. So she just retired. And what do you, what do you do for work? So I am a conflict. I'm a conflict avoider by nature, by nature, but believe it or not, I am a collector as part of my job collections and working in a credit department for a local electrical distributor. <laughs> okay. Oh boy. Yes. So people, people fear when you call them. <laughs> yes, because I'm asking, I'm asking for a payment. I'm asking for past due invoices to be taken care of. Yes. There you go. There you go. Well, Wayne, I, there, there's certain people that have made a permanent impact on my life and you are certainly one of them. And, well, uh, the way that God worked through you to take a very young, young Christian inexperienced, like you said, shy and, uh, Christian and, and build a church around him. Just do it through your faith and through your uh, humility inspired me. And I remember going back and talking to my wife when we returned to the States and it, it was a time kind of a, a craziness there, 2003, 2004. And I said, I really want to plant a church in my hometown. And there were, there's, we moved there and there were a lot of challenging times. There was a lot of dark times. I was like, Oh my gosh, I hope this comes out. But I would think about you. And I would think Wayne Kishbaugh was a six-month-old Christian, and he built a church with Mm -hmm. no outside support. 
And if Wayne can do it, I can do it. <laughs> and you took away all my excuses, Wayne. Hmm. And I hope that uh, through this podcast and through your life and your example, you remove any barrier or excuse in, in anyone who's listening in their mind that God can, he's so powerful, he can work through anybody. And anyone who has faith and who really wants to serve him uh, sincerely. And so thank you so much for coming on the program. And I just want to wish you all the best going forward. You are truly a spiritual hero to me, and I appreciate it. Thank you, Rob. I wish you the best, too. Thank you. And I want to thank you today for listening to the Rob Skinner podcast. My goal is to inspire you to make this life count, to live a no regrets life, and to multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. If you enjoyed the program today, I hope you'll share it with your friends, your family. Subscribe to this podcast. You can always contact me uh, at rob at tucsonchurchofchrist.org. I'd love to hear from you. Have a great day and make this life count.